No, my Fokurongomai, and welcome to The Policy Fix, a podcast by the Policy Observatory AUT. Kokiri Mills Tene, and today I'll be talking to Kathy Errington, Executive Director of the Helen Clark Foundation, about her recent policy paper on green hydrogen. Tenakwe, Kathy. Thanks for having me. So, to start with, what is green hydrogen? So, green hydrogen is hydrogen that's generated from renewable electricity. The first pilot plant in New Zealand. The construction began in January and it will be generated from geothermal and the idea is in the medium term it will be exported to Japan. I worked on that as a diplomat when I was posted in Tokyo and I guess my paper was inspired by that because it could have a variety of implications for New Zealand. In a nutshell, what is the case for green hydrogen? So the case for green hydrogen is both on environmental and economic grounds. It's a potential new export industry for New Zealand. It's a way for us to export renewable energy and it will help both New Zealand and other countries, particularly Japan, but potentially others, to decarbonise. So what would we or the Japanese use green hydrogen for? So that's what I've looked at. The short answer is Japan needs energy desperately. So for the Japan side, the answer is a lot more self-evident than it is for us, but there's good answers to that for New Zealand too. For Japan, Japan imports 93% of its energy. After Fukushima in 2011, they lost a third of their generation overnight when they took all the nuclear offline for safety testing, and they've been able to refire up a handful of plants. I think when I left Japan at the end of 2018, it was only about five or six, because local communities, understandably, do not want a nuclear plant in their backyard, and they typically take out lawsuits when the plants are restarted. So even though the government has quite ambitious goals of getting the percentage of nuclear up to 20%, 22% kind of area, the odds they achieve that, I think, personally are quite limited because the community opposition is so strong. And so they replace all that generation by importing fossil fuels, uh, LNG and coal. And that's bad for their climate profile uh, and very expensive and a security risk because the shipping routes that they get their oil through are the Strait of Malacca. I think more than about two thirds of their oil goes through the Strait of Malacca. So they've got a lot of drivers. That means they need to import energy and that they need to diversify the places they import energy from. And then when you combine that with the Paris Agreement, where they need to reduce their emissions by 80% by 2050, they need to also import renewable energy. So the genesis of that project that's happening in the North Island now is the combination of those two things, that Japan desperately needs renewable energy and that New Zealand has a lot of renewable capacity that we're not using and that through hydrogen technology you can now liquefy hydrogen and ship it. That's a way for New Zealand to export renewable energy. And is this likely to make New Zealand money? Uh, Yes, the people doing it, it's Torapaki Trust on the New Zealand end and the Obayashi Corporation on the Japanese end and they're of course not, neither of those are charities. They are driven by commercial interest. At the same time there's a strong, I think, environmental principles behind why they're doing it. And both sides take that very seriously as to why this is a risk worth taking. So I definitely think those environmental principles matter both to the business people and to the governments that are supporting the project. But the other implication that I talk about in my paper is that that project would mean a big supply of green hydrogen would come online here in New Zealand and that we would then need to decide what do we do with it. And that we need to really do that thinking now because the plant will scale up 
in a couple of years and you know we'll have this there and if we haven't planned out and actually set some targets and put some framing around this nascent industry um, we could end up not taking advantage of a new resource. So what might we do with it? What do you recommend in your paper? So I analyse it at a pretty high level, but the kind of things I talk about are trains. It's worth looking at hydrogen trains. They're doing that in Germany. New Zealand never finished electrifying its railways, and it's very, very expensive to do. So as the price of hydrogen is coming down globally with the trade getting started, it may actually be cost competitive to move to hydrogen trains other uses. So there's a little bit of coal and gas generation in New Zealand that's really hard to get rid of as we're moving towards you know, no fossil fuel. In dry years where our hydro lakes are low and we have spikes in demand, basically what happens is that the demand spikes and we need to have more generation very quickly and we do that with coal and gas at the moment. And that is one of the hardest parts to shift of fossil fuel generation at the moment. But hydrogen actually offers the potential to get rid of that and to go entirely renewable. And that's because you can store hydrogen, you can store it as liquid, and you can also make hydrogen when it's really cheap. Because you can fire up and scale down the production of hydrogen easily, you could, for example, make and store a lot of hydrogen when New Zealand electricity prices are very low. And you know, New Zealand electricity prices change every 30 minutes and at their lowest, they're almost nothing. So you could make hydrogen cheaply, have a stock of it to use during dry years. And that kind of technology offers ways for New Zealand to go 100% renewable in its generation. The final proposed use I talk about is heavy vehicles, which are difficult to electrify. It's not that electric heavy vehicles don't exist, they do, but they typically take a long time to charge. And given the way that they're used in truck fleets, that presents a major barrier to actually using them. Many trucks, for example, are used nearly constantly. So the time we have to take the vehicle out of surface to charge it is a practical barrier for businesses wanting to use them. And if you could use hydrogen, hydrogen refueling takes the same, if not quicker, than diesel refueling. You just it's in a tank on, on board the trucks, so it's it can be done quickly. So there's potential there. There's potential for other kinds of heavy vehicles like say tourist buses. And one of the reasons they make sense is that the big cost of being able to use a hydrogen vehicle, I guess the barrier to entry is, would be the proper term, is the need to have hydrogen refuelling stations. Uh, and those are very expensive and I think it is probably unlikely that we have them throughout New Zealand. So small vehicles will make more sense to electrify. But even with very few recharging stations, some kinds of transport could work with hydrogen. For example, tourist buses that drive a set route uh, and return to base each day. And other kinds of return to base transport trucks, etc. And forklifts and warehouses, yeah, they already have those in Japan, hydrogen forklifts. So there's a whole set of things that we can do with it and that we need to be thinking about now. And you mentioned that you came to this through a diplomatic role in mm -hmm. Japan. Could you talk a bit more about that experience and how that led to this project? So I was posted to Tokyo as the economic secretary from 2015 to 2018. Before that I did language training in Japanese. I, because I was the economic secretary I, I dealt with anything in the energy field uh, and this project was to be honest probably the most interesting thing I, I worked on because of those long-term implications for New Zealand. 
and they're not the only Japanese company interested in the hydrogen industry in New Zealand, but as far as I know, it's the only one that's been publicly announced. So this interest is real and is happening, and I'm interested in just putting my view of it out there as to what we should be doing. I think the government's very interested in all of this, but I think there is just a, a fight, as there always is, as to how this is defined and who's going to benefit from it. And the, the fight is over to begin with. What kind of hydrogen are we interested in? That's the first question. It's almost a definitional question. And I argue in my report that we should support green hydrogen and not other kinds. Green hydrogen is generated from renewable electricity and you can make a strong case that therefore it contributes to decarbonisation in a whole range of ways. But hydrogen is almost neutral as an energy source because it depends on the seed fuel. Right now, 95% uh, of hydrogen in New Zealand is made from natural gas. And there are proposals for new projects to make hydrogen from natural gas. They usually uh, claim that they're going to use 100% carbon capture and storage, uh, but I'm pretty sceptical about that. I mean, I, I interviewed Greenpeace as part of my research, and they, they are sceptical altogether of carbon capture and storage. They don't consider it a viable technology. I think you need carbon capture and storage, but you need it for the fossil fuels that already exist. It's not a good reason to uh, seek new development of new fossil fuel projects. And, and the other point I make, and that I think is actually really important, is that 100% carbon capture storage claims about hydrogen projects globally are almost never true. Uh, they're almost never actually doing it. So you, there's a massive project called the Loy Yang Hydrogen Project in Australia that's using brown coal. And it was marketed during the establishment phase as 100% carbon capture and storage. But then it wasn't economic to actually do it during the pilot phase, so there is none. There's no carbon capture and storage at all. Uh, and in best case scenario, they might have some in 2030. But you look at other coal projects in Victoria and they've run into issues with storage. So, so you have big problems with those just on a very practical level around the world. And I don't think that's a useful direction for us to go given how much renewable generation we have that we're not currently using. What is the likely impact on our emissions goals? Well, I think if we go in the direction of green hydrogen, it will be very positive because it's decarbonising things that are really hard to decarbonise, like heavy vehicles and, and that last little bit of coal and gas on the electricity generation grid. So even though in a way it's reasonably niche uses, they're important because they're things that wouldn't decarbonise without it. But it will depend what kind of hydrogen we use. So th there are various projects being considered using natural gas and I'm pretty sceptical of those. Any new investments made now in gas risk being stranded assets. The hardest area for us is agriculture um, mm. and obviously hydrogen doesn't have a huge impact on that although it, it could if it's renewable the way we make fertiliser would become cleaner so it would have a small pretty marginal impact on agriculture. So there's been a bit of pushback with people saying that it is not a viable industry. What do you have to say to them? Well, most of the pushback I've seen has 
been from people that strongly support what what I would say is the kind of North American position in the debate about hydrogen. Because I'd say globally you have the kind of North American camp which wants to electrify everything uh, as a way to decarbonise, and then you have Japan which is championing hydrogen. And like I talked about earlier with their energy crisis, why Japan is doing what it's doing makes a lot of sense. But if you're in the United States or if you're here, it can be hard to see that. So. As I understand the argument of a lot of opponents of hydrogen, both here in New Zealand and in the United States, it's why would you waste all that energy? We have heaps of renewable generation. Why would you waste it to make hydrogen when you could just use that energy directly and it would be a lot more efficient? And I would have a few answers to that. <laughs> the first one is to decarbonise things that cannot or will not be electrified. So that's things like heavy vehicles where at the moment the electrification technology that exists does not meet the business needs of the people actually using trucks. The second answer I'd give to those people that argue for just electrification is that I think it ignores the massive and very sensible reasons why Japan is investing the way it is. And Japan is investing enormous amounts of money into hydrogen. They have set price targets to get hydrogen by 2030 down to, I think it's 17 yen a kilowatt or something like that. But they have actual numbers attached to this, which would make hydrogen cost competitive with gas by 2030. They want to have 800,000 hydrogen vehicles on the road by 2030. So there's very serious and costed with real both government and industry money behind it going into hydrogen at the moment in Japan. Uh, and I think for many of the New Zealand players I've seen talking uh, about why hydrogen shouldn't happen here, I don't think they fully understand that because we're so close to Japan, we're, we have so much to offer as an export partner, very safe shipping route, relatively short, only 20 days, doesn't need to go through any particularly dangerous stretches of water. And Japan needs to diversify its import base in general. So we, we have a lot to offer. It could be a big export industry. And once we have an export industry, there will be spin-off domestic industries as a result. So yeah, I think that'd be my second reply to them would be that they need to look really closely at Japan. And then finally, the answer to that is that there are some things that electrification will never do. And that's like that example I gave before about how there is a small proportion of electricity generation on the grid where we use coal and gas to deal with spikes in demand. And hydrogen can be a possible replacement for that. So it's got a role to play dealing with intermittent renewables. And I think the Mercury CEO op-ed in the Herald claimed that New Zealand doesn't really have very intermittent renewables because we have so much geothermal. And while we have geothermal and it's not especially intermittent, everything else is uh, wind, hydro. So I, I don't accept that. It doesn't make sense. Our biggest risk is dry years and hydrogen has a role to play there and that pushes that last bit of coal and gas off the grid. So. Yeah, that, that would be my response to the sceptic. And what are your recommendations for government? I have six. The first one I said is that New Zealand should explore a green hydrogen export industry. Secondly, that New Zealand should explore the potential for hydrogen rail. Thirdly, that green hydrogen should be defined by its seed fuel. And hydrogen generated from renewable electricity is green and nothing else is. Fourth, green hydrogen 
should be analysed separately and more aggressively supported by government than hydrogen generated from fossil fuel. My fifth and sixth recommendations both relate more to the international aspect because a lot of the international policy around hydrogen is also being made as we speak. So my fifth one is that New Zealand should actively build alliances with other countries that have an interest in clearly defining green hydrogen and my sixth recommendation is that we push for transparency standards around the carbon impact of hydrogen and I think you can argue that both on environmental grounds that that's better for global decarbonisation if we have transparency standards around this new energy source. But it's actually also very good for New Zealand because we have a massive advantage over probably any other country in the world in terms of generating green hydrogen for export. So that'll benefit us both environmentally and, and economically. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. For more podcasts and how to subscribe, visit www.thepolicyobservatory.aut.ac.nz. Nō reira e te whānau ko whakarongo mai nei, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa.